You're listening to Shannon Taylor Talk, heart to heart with your fascinating online friends around the globe. Uh, I read a quote when I was really young that said, A mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation mm-hmm. and go to the grave with a song still in them. Right. And, and I just, that, you know, I, I had photocopied two or three quotes like that when I was in my early 20s to my, uh, some of my family would just kind of make fun of me for having those photocopied. And they were on my wall for many, many, many years, everywhere I moved to. Because it was the only little nugget I had to hang on to of there's got to be more, there's got to be more. So you, so you always knew there was a sense of more. There was something else. Yeah. There. And I just think that I think that I just wanted to see. You know, it was sort of like, um, for me, it was just sort of a little challenge. I didn't have anything really left to lose. Mm-hmm. So not having anything left to lose or to fall back on, you know, I wasn't ready to throw in the towel on living, so I just kind of hung around uh, a day at a time, so to speak, just to see, just to see what would happen. And I'm still doing the same thing today. I'm just, I'm just waiting to see uh, what unfolds. You talk about in in, I mean, I, in listening to your music, um, Hell's Kitchen, American Dream, Cursing the Ohio, Bristol. The mountain graveyard shift. I mean, all these. I, I would love to go into every one of them, but the Hell's Kitchen is is just so. I mean, what you're talking about is abuse. You're talking about you know the 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 poverty and and the way they're making money in the hills. And and I I you know my people come from that too, and and growing up with things that you can't talk about. And then the religion covers it up, and the and the illiteracy. And, you know, you build a big house, but you still don't know how to read. And, you know, mm-hmm. mothers are getting punched and so forth. And mm-hmm. th- what provoked you to write about that? I mean, was this personal experience? Was that, was that um, you know, did you, because I experienced a lot of that firsthand. Uh, no, I'd not like firsthand on that level with that particular song, but it was um, my, uh, I mean, cursing the Ohio, you know, that that uh, that kind of thing, you know, the, the my grandmother murdered my grandfather. And, and you know, as really? I'm told, my mother was adopted. So enough time has passed that nobody's going to care if they hear this right. in the family. And those that do care probably have already disowned me. But uh, from what I understand, he was such a jerk that, you know, to put it nice, mildly, he died in a hunting accident, supposedly. Right. My dad always told me there was blood in his boots. And they said, you know, a man doesn't die with blood in his boots unless he's standing up. So he was shot standing up. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew that she shot him. And so Cursing the Ohio actually came as a result of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, of an abusive relationship. Uh, the title came as I was driving across the Ohio River to go and open for Robert Earl Keene at the Southgate House. And I just held on to the title for a long time because I thought, I wonder how many people have cursed the Ohio having left Kentucky for a better life, only to find out it wasn't any better. Right. So the two kind of joined. Um, as far as Hell's Kitchen and those kind of things, usually there's a snippet of my own life. I remember going through Harlan, Kentucky the first time, and I remember thinking, if you're not from here, you don't belong. Right. And my dad had always told me, if you're not from there, you don't belong. And this was in the 80s, and my hair was teased. And even <laughs> though I chewed the back and spoke hillbilly fluently, I didn't look like a boy. <laughs> so I, I remember not wanting the, the girl to stop the truck that I was with at the time. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'd get my butt whipped. But there's most of that stuff has either firsthand. It, yeah, most of it's first person, at least to some degree. Right. 
um, or about you know graveyard shift took place as a there's a guy named Heavy Heavy Hudgens who was a, a graveyard digger that used to grave dig by hand back in my hometown and he he carried a staff like Moses and had a head like Wimpy off of Popeye and Coke bottle glasses and overalls and wore a weightlifter's belt had a great big belly yeah and he, he would just always be this most gentle giant walking around my hometown and I didn't know the man was a grave digger that's what he did his whole life right and so there's just different elements of uh, southern fiction so to speak in, in those uh, in those songs and you said uh, in Bristol Dix- Dixiecrats bringing blades and razor straps uh, wow I mean, well, you know, I mean, that, that's I, I, I guess because I, I so resonate with that and maybe a lot of a, a large part of the of the world cannot. But uh, uh, when you when you talk about the South and how it has evolved to a certain degree and then it hasn't evolved, you know, <laughs> it, it, that 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 the world still ends at the red light in some places because it's scary. And it's not because they're bad or, or you know, my family uh, coming from that really? the, deep in the roots of the East Tennessee, babe. <laughs> Your family's from East Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the hills. I didn't know that. So, um, you know, coming from that and then I went to New York. So, go, you know, spending my youth in New York and, and then coming back, it was that you have left the fold and therefore you're not one of us anymore, you know. Hey, well, you understand what that's like then. Yeah, because it's it's that you think differently. And I and I you know even though you're you're born there but you leave and then you come back then you're now cast as an outsider to a certain degree because you're you're all you're all high and mighty in the mountains when you're not you know yeah. but uh, so that's why I say it's extremely brave what you're what you're talking about and uh, and the uh, the things that that have to be discussed and abuses and illiteracy and uh, yeah. and religion and so forth and uh, I just think that it's it's fascinating what you're doing. In, uh, well, thank you. and I, I, It means a lot that it matters to someone. I I love Rick Bragg, who wrote All Over the Shouting and Ava the Man. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with his writing, but he's basically our generation from the South who got out. But he still speaks the language. Uh-huh. And uh, I was so moved when I read him, and then when I read, like, The World According to Garp, and then a prayer for Owen Meany and, and yeah. these little these novels and I was just thinking, man, I got nothing left to lose. I've written hundreds of songs. Nobody's ever cut them. You know, I don't have, I'm not Joe songwriter that has 20 people have cut my songs. No. Mm-hmm. I've had a whole lot of attaboys. So I didn't have anything to lose. So I literally started writing songs that I would be proud or engaged enough to listen to. So, you know, being able to have some of the phrases or terms you know, there's a lot of really watered-down crap that I had to go write in order to get one or two little nuggets right. that I thought, yeah, that'd be engaging. If I were reading a book, that would be engaging to me to read that. So, right, you know, <laughs> it's just like any of us. It's just a, it's just a piece of art, and you go through a lot of it just to get one you're proud enough to put out there. And luckily, this little project has, like, a cohesiveness that I would like to... I'd like to be able to, because I think that's my... That's the way I interpret the world, if I were still living there, would be kind of with that spin. How is it accepted? Uh, when you go out to play these songs, where are you playing and what is the response? Um, it is probably the mildest in the South. 
and it's probably the most well-received on the West Coast and in the Northeast and in New York. Of course. Um, it's novel, for one thing, to them. There's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of laughter when they hear the stories. Um, in the South, um, it's really weird. I have very... Some of my friends that I grew up with in the really fundamental Baptist community mm. who have since moved on. One is now coming out of the Episcopal minister and all these different people love it. They like, they like, they call me and I'm going, oh gosh, here it comes. They're going to, they're coming in for a spiritual intervention on me. <laughs> and, uh, they're going to get me right with God so I can get my fire insurance back. <laughs> but, my eternal fire insurance. But they call me and they applaud it. They go, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's, it's, I get the joke. I'm like, you got the joke. Good. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, and then there's others, you know, you know, which is trial and error. They want to stick me, go, go have me play with so and so in front of so and so's audience, and you know, it just it interferes. But that's that's what we do when we put our art out there. Is we put it out there. But yeah, I, to, to answer your question, the West Coast, Northeast, Middle America, not so much. Right. So far. Well, but this what what you have is is a classic piece. What this is is timeless. Well, I hope so. I mean, that that would be nice to at least get to the end whenever that is, and feel like I did did do one thing that that matters. When they went across the water, she never. 